How many people do you know who struggle with their health? Chances are, whether they show it or not, most of the people in your life do. And chances are, you're one of them. Whether you're dealing with anxiety, depression, endometriosis, acne, eczema, autoimmune, thyroid, Lyme, brain fog, fatigue, or any other symptom or condition, you're far from alone. Living with symptoms has become the new normal. So no more guessing games. It's time to get answers. Welcome to the Medical Medium Podcast. I'm Anthony Williams. There's a term out there that's intriguing to the mind. It's interesting, catchy, trendy too. It's microdosing. Aha. When you hear the word microdose or the word microdosing, something happens. You instantly go, what? What do you mean microdose? Sounds scientific. Sounds like it's helpful. Sounds powerful. Sounds like it's gonna do something for me. And if you're somebody that actually has a past or experiences with drugs, recreational drugs, maybe you partied a lot, maybe partying helped take you away from life, take you away from stress, and the term dosing or dosed up is in your mind. It's just there. You know the word dosed or dosing or, hey, I'm totally dosed up, it holds power. So when you hear the word dose, there's power involved. And then say you're somebody that never did any recreational drugs. You just lived a straight line and recreational drugs wasn't in your past or present. It's not in your life, but, but there's a word in your subconsciousness, in your consciousness. It's dosing or dose. Where'd it come from? Conventional medicine. The doctor. You just remember it. Here's one dose. Take one dose a day. You heard it. You feel it. You hear it. It holds power. Dosing and dose holds power on the subconscious and consciousness. It holds power on the mind. Then there's something called fear. Fear about ODing, overdosing. That's another powerful word, term, that's etched in our mind, consciousness and subconsciousness. So if you're somebody that played around with recreational drugs, or still do, you know not to OD. You know it in your soul, and your being, that it's not a good thing. You're cautious to how much including just weed, how much weed you smoke in a day. And then you hear it out there. You read stories. You hear it on the news. Somebody overdosed. This person overdosed last night. They died. This person OD'd. It's scary. It could mean death. And that resides in the consciousness as well. The term OD, overdosing, overdosed, connects to dying death. But when people don't feel good in general, they're struggling mentally, emotionally. They got health issues. They want a remedy. They want medicine, some type of medicine. And you ask anybody who does recreational drugs, 
at one time in their life or they still do it now and you ask them why are they doing it so how come you're doing it and you'll get an answer i don't feel good i feel sick i got anxiety i have depression i have depersonalization i have all kinds of mental issues i have severe emotional trauma i have old wounds hurt pain and even people who didn't start that way they didn't have any of that at least they didn't think they did they got into recreational drugs and they were taking something and over time they took more of it more of it then it was interfering with their life making life more difficult and then got to a point where they needed help and then someone would say why are you doing it and they'd be like well i just life's been really hard i have a lot of problems and i just went and grabbed it and started using it it made me feel better but at the start they were just partying and the reason they took more and more of it and kept doing it wasn't just the addiction part it was because they were self-medicating they were looking for medicine they were self-medicating and then there's people that say they have self-control they can control their addiction they can control their partying they can control how many pills they take that the doctor gave them and then there's people that don't have self-control it's endless consumption nothing stops them but either way everybody knows there's power in the word dosing dosages odeed dose So no matter wherever someone is at in their life, whether they took something in the past, whether they're on a medication now in the present, whether they feel pretty good, whether they don't, there's a word that catches their eye and it's microdosing. Right when someone says it, I'm microdosing. Right then, anyone who hears that is like, "Ah, oh, what?" And all kinds of things run through their mind. One is, how come the doctor never told me that? How come the doctor handing me a medication didn't say, "We're going to make you microdose or we're going to offer an option to microdose?" Or, how come the guy I partied with the other day didn't tell me about microdosing? How come I didn't hear that when I was partying 20 years ago? How come I never heard that before? When I was hanging out with a bunch of people and they're all doing drugs many years ago in college, and how come no one was saying, "How about microdosing? Hey, you should microdose that cocaine. Hey, you should microdose that Molly. You should microdose that ecstasy." It's mind-blowing. Microdosing the term. Instantly you also think, "Wait a minute, is this scientific? Is science involved? Did some scientific body figure out that if you reduce the dose or make it appropriate in some way, leveled or measured, that we can take what we want and get something out of it?" And since your doctor's not going to still say anything about microdosing, the alternative doctor's not going to say anything about microdosing, your chiropractor's not going to say anything about microdosing. You're not going to really hear about it anywhere besides kind of on the scene. That's where you hear it on the scene. And then you like it because it gives you a sense of control because you can't trust yourself. You know that in the past. 
Heck, people can't trust themselves with a bar of chocolate. They'll gobble the whole thing down. And then you think, this must be some kind of controlled design. It's microdosing. Someone else can handle it. They can hand me that little tiny dosage and say, we're microdosing. And then I can take that tiny dosage and take it with confidence, feeling like there's control over it. And I'm not going overboard. I'm not pushing it too hard or too far. There's something about that. It feels safe. There seems to be some type of safety mechanism built into this. Everything is okay if you microdose it. That's the message that comes through. And then you hear bad stories of the past, or you remember certain stories that somebody told you of the past, or you experienced something in the past, such as a bad trip. You remember a guy having a bad trip. You remember this girl having a bad trip. You remember somebody having a bad trip. They went too far. They were injured by something. Whether it was a large dosage of ayahuasca, whether it was a large dosage of psilocybins, whether it was a large dosage that night of ecstasy, whatever it is, you heard they had a bad run. It really hurt them. They were injured by it. And then you think, aha, that aha moment, microdosing. We figured it out. The world figured it out. Everybody did. Science must have figured it out. All the shamans must have figured it out. Everybody, anybody involved. People must have somehow come to some conclusion that we have masterminded. We have found the key to all of it. It's not about what we did before. We were doing it all wrong. It's microdosing. That's the answer now. And it's proven there must be something behind it. It's ingenious. It works. It feels safe. And then you hear another term or word associated with microdosing attached to it. It's called plant medicine. You hear the word plant medicine and suddenly you're like, whoa. And the term plant medicine holds power because we know plants are important. We know plants do have medicine in them one way or another. And we feel comfortable with the term plant medicine. That word plant and that word medicine combined with microdosing and we're sold. We're done. Sign me up. What's interesting is we only use that term plant medicine or people in the health movement only use that term plant medicine when it's about something that is scary, something that is toxic something that may not be good for you in small dosages or certainly not large dosages, something that could even be dangerous. And that's where the term plant medicine falls in. The term plant medicine around substances that are toxic reminds me of a carjacker you just call a car borrower. And the strange thing is there's no scale from one to 10 on how mean or bad that carjacker is. Just like there's no scale between 1 to 10 on how toxic that plant medicine is. Some plant medicine could be considered psilocybin's mushrooms. And one mushroom can pack a wallop versus another mushroom that can just have you barfing and sick all night. And another mushroom that could have your liver shutting down in 7 days or your kidneys on the edge of failure. But yet, you could pack it all up to plant medicine. That's all. Just like a carjacker. One carjacker 
might punch your window in, grab you, pull you through the window, cut you up really bad, hop in the car, and drive it over you on the way out. Another carjacker might just come up to you and say, sir, ma'am, get out of the car. I'm taking it. Or just like that one mushroom that almost caused liver failure, or that one mushroom that almost shut down your kidneys after a week, the carjacker just puts a gun to the window, shoots a bullet through it, hits your face, and then takes your car. There's no scale. There's no measurement. There's no way to measure it. It's just the term plant medicine. The thing is, really, the term plant medicine should be all about fruits, leafy greens, herbs, wild foods, vegetables that are not mind-altering in a bad way or adrenaline surging in a bad way. Sources of plant chemical compounds that actually help us heal. Plant medicine should be about blackberries, wild blueberries, lemon balm, rosemary, ginger, thyme, celery, spinach, cilantro, shiitake mushrooms. That's just a few examples. Instead, plant medicine is being used to give benediction to psilocybin mushrooms, also known as magic mushrooms or shrooms, ayahuasca, or even cacao matcha tea, green tea. And then if you leave plant medicine, you go into toad medicine, frog poison. The alternative and conventional medicine world has a lot in common with the microdosing world and plant medicine world. What's in common? They both don't know why people are sick still. Old statement? True. And there's a reason for it. No one knows why someone has anxiety, depression, bipolar disorder, OCD, nobody knows why they have it. No one knows why people really have brain fog, fatigue, or a myriad of other neurological symptoms. Nobody knows why someone has autoimmune. No one knows why someone's living with a painful chronic condition and chronic symptoms that plague them for years and even decades in their life. Conventional and alternative medicine don't know why someone has anxiety and plant medicine and microdosing world don't know why someone has anxiety. It's all one big guessing game soup. The conventional doctor doesn't know why you have depression, yet offers you an antidepressant. The alternative doctor doesn't know why you have depression either, yet offers you a better diet, regular exercise routine, the recommendation to get rid of processed foods, and the instruction to take some vitamin D and multivitamin. Not every doctor visit's going to yield the same recommendations. It could vary. It could be anything. Perhaps your doctor believes you have a gut problem. Maybe you have SIBO or candida, leaky gut, a microbiome issue. Maybe that's to blame. Maybe your conventional doctor believes you have a chemical imbalance or a neurotransmitter issue, dopamine deficiency. Whatever the case, it's still a case of guessing games. We don't know why you're sick. We don't know why you have depression, or any other chronic symptom. But the guessing games don't stop there with alternative medicine, conventional medicine. They branch out. Widespread interest in psychedelics and microdosing. The same guessing game technique leads us there too. Someone search for anything to try, any answers. It leads them to the door of the darker side of plant medicine. I've heard this argument a hundred times out there, or more. Psychedelics... Microdosing is ancient. And because it's ancient, ancient medicine 
then it's safe. It's been happening for thousands of years. This is not to disrespect anyone involved in ayahuasca ceremonies or any kind of indigenous technique of spiritual healing. Indigenous cultures have also grown bananas. Indigenous cultures have also grown spices such as vanilla bean, cinnamon, turmeric, and ginger. These are non-toxic and have healing properties. Well, some of these can be self-limiting and irritating in large quantities. Keep that in mind. They're not dangerous. At the same time, though, whether we're an indigenous culture or not, we can all grow, eat, and play around with poisons. Many non-indigenous people become guides or practitioners who administer psychedelics and even toad and frog poison. When someone out there falls ill, they have a lot of different symptoms now. They're struggling mentally, emotionally. They have mental health issues because of the condition and it's even part of their symptoms. And they're looking for answers to their chronic illness. And they're desperate to try anything. And then they get further injured in the process, landing a life of much more suffering and hardship than they already had with their condition. People in their lives may pass it off as, I had a bad trip because I did the frog poison and the toad poison or the ayahuasca or I did something else. People can pass it off like, you just had a bad trip, man. Sweep it under the carpet. Call it a day. It was your journey. And that's something that people are told. It's like, that was your journey. That was the process. And they'll say, it was supposed to happen. It was meant to be. They had to learn something from it. You grow from it. Meanwhile, it was an injury and not a positive experience of any kind for anyone. And maybe no one even realizes that. Their brain health is declining from that injury. And maybe no one knows it or understands it. But either way, they could easily have a steady decline in their health because of that trip or that psychedelic experience. The term microdosing makes us feel safe. Ah, microdosing. To the human psyche, microdosing also implies that there's some kind of scientific nature involved. We feel secure in the sense that there must be some kind of science advising it, that some type of study has been done. There must have been a whole bunch of studies that proves efficacy. But maybe you learned this already in your life, or maybe we all know this, that scientific studies are just a whole bunch of never-ending games of trial and error. Theories that become outdated by other theories, and more theories then supersede those theories. Labeling drug use as microdosing provides a sense of safety to a wider variety of people. Now it's tempting to many more people who would have never, ever gone there, never would have partaken any way possible unless they felt that warm, fuzzy feeling that science might be behind it. And microdosing and psychedelics are no longer for that niche crowd of people who just go into the desert, sit around a campfire, and drink a whole bowl of psychedelics. Marketing has happened. A tactic that pulls in a much bigger crowd. And that crowd got bigger and bigger and bigger because they're looking for relief. So they're doing everything in edibles and all kinds of microdosing left and right to a point where Big Pharma is like, no, 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 no. We need to bank on this. So Big Pharma 
are going to be taking over the psychedelic world soon. And Big Pharma is going to be in charge of the dosages, the microdosing. Microdosing takes on an air of intelligence, something intellectual about it. So when you're talking to someone, they're like, hey, microdosing, try this. You can microdose that. Here's a psychedelic. Here's some toad poison. You can microdose this. You can do these microdosed edibles. It's like, whoa, you're smart. There's something intelligent about hearing that. It's like, wow, this is a smart guy or a smart person or this is, seems intelligent here. There's something behind here. It's educated, smart and well-educated in the process that they're actually trying to push on you. It's like, whoa, this sounds like a good thing and that guy's really smart. And maybe that person is really smart. Maybe they are intelligent. Maybe it's true to some degree that the person offering a microdosing technique knows a lot about the theory. Yet, even if you know a lot about a game, it's still a game. Just being straight out here, whether or not anyone wants to hear this, there's still going to be a lot of people injured from psychedelics. People who went into it, into microdosing therapies with a migraine for example, or something else, and ended up with worse migraines because of it. And you're going to hear more and more of that come out down the road. It's going to be a wave of people, and they're going to be like, oh my God, I've been injured by this. You're going to hear it out there. It takes a little time, because right now, it's uncool to complain. When you're doing the microdosing, you just better be quiet and deal with it, deal with the journey, deal with what it is, any bad experience was just spiritual, and move on. But there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be like, no, I have to speak out. It's going to shift and you're going to see it out there. What psychedelics do is put the body in a crisis state. So when you're taking some of these psychedelics, the body goes instantly into a crisis state. When we go through a crisis state and come out of it, we change in some way as a person. It's like surviving a 10-car pileup on the freeway. Your car flips over two or three times, you're tossed about, and you seem to get out of the car, walk out of it alive with a mild concussion, while others around you died. There's something that happens inside of us when we survive any kind of crisis whatsoever, and that falls into spiritual change. And when we induce ourselves with a toxic chemical compound that throws our body into chaos, after it subsides, we feel we spiritually grew. The addiction process. This is a big one. The addiction process that occurs with any dose of psychedelics. The addiction to how did we survive that? What a heck of a ride. My spiritual teacher told me how much I've grown by doing it. I think I'm ready to do it again. One of the addictive aspects of psychedelics is the adrenaline surge, the roller coaster ride. It's when any poison or toxin hits the bloodstream, the adrenaline explodes. Poisons enter our bloodstream, and that adrenaline surge happens, the roller coaster ride. That poison is foreign. The psychedelics, the frog toad poison, the psilocybins, ayahuasca, it's all foreign to the body. Your body has to protect the brain so your adrenals release a blow, a spill, a massive spill of adrenaline. It becomes a steroid compound instantly 
steroids are there to try to stop a crisis. It's your natural steroid maker. Your adrenals release that steroid, your adrenaline, to stop the blow from being hard to the brain, heart, and lungs so it doesn't take a hit so hard. A microdose of psychedelics triggers off a brain alarm because the brain starts to get poisoned. The brain then sends an emergency signal to the brain stem and then out to your adrenals, looking for the adrenals to save your brain. And that intense adrenaline blend that's pouring out, spilling out of your adrenals is released to stop strokes from occurring and blood clots from forming. That adrenaline is there to thin out the blood and open up blood vessels because guess what? The blood vessels are starting to close. So the steroid compounds and the adrenaline are there to keep the blood vessels open so they're not getting shut down, swell, and closed down from the poisons. Yo, dude, get in here, man. It's on TV now. Check out this commercial. Yeah, I love it. Is there anyone out there who still isn't clear about what doing drugs does? Okay, last time. This is your brain. This is drugs. This is your brain on drugs. Any questions? When a toxin from psychedelics or like toad poison psychedelics, frog poison psychedelics enters into our bloodstream, our immune system sees it as an invader. As a psychedelic poison enters our bloodstream, our immune cells try to devour it. And when our immune systems try to devour it, it bulks up. Our immune cells climb on top of each other. It becomes a ball, like a big snowball rolling down a hill, a mountain. More and more immune cells keep on coming to aid the other immune cells, and they all try to devour the poison. This leads to a small blood clot developing. Our immune system has an intelligence built into it. Our immune cells know that a small blood clot is developing. Our immune cells also know something's coming to rescue it. A corrosive substance, something that's coming from our adrenal glands, something that can dissolve the blood clot, something that's strong, Now, adrenaline isn't as strong as kerosene. It's not like paint thinner, but it's strong in its own way. It's there to thin out the blood. It's there to destroy the blood clot that the immune cells were building by devouring the poison. It's there to separate that blood clot, to send the immune cells on their way with the poison inside of them. This lowers the blow to the brain. This process lowers the blow that the toxins from the frog poison, toad poison, or psychedelics, or ayahuasca, psilocybin, or whatever, it lowers the blow to the brainstem and the brain. And then that adrenaline opens up the passageways like a steroid. So there's less constriction in blood vessels in the brain and other places in the body. So that poisons that the person ingested can leave the brain and body easier. This whole process becomes chaos. This chaos is part of the addiction process of psychedelics. 
the adrenaline that's released to thin out the blood so that the person doesn't stroke out also goes into the brain and gives the person the ultimate high. At the very same time, the chemical compounds, the toxins in the psychedelics are saturating neurons, causing hallucinogenic effects. It's this combination of that big adrenaline high from that big adrenaline burst to save the person, to keep them safe as much as possible, combined with the toxin itself from the psychedelics gives the person the addiction. And then there's the aftermath. What goes up must come down. The aftermath is the coming down part. The adrenaline high now leaving your body and becoming an adrenaline low. Our body is in the process of recovery now as the poisonous chemical compounds from the psychedelics are dissipating and we survived it. We survived another night or another day. It's not exactly the same as being in a party where you got totally completely drunk and stoned and puked in the bathroom all night long and then spent the next day in a stupor and a hangover, yet there are similarities. Regardless, whichever toxin or compound or substance you sent through your body, you went into survival mode. They're parties you'll never forget. Experiences that become etched in your consciousness. The parties we never forget aren't cures for depression. The parties that we go do aren't the parties that actually get rid of our anxiety in the end. The parties we never forget don't get rid of our brain fog or fatigue or neurological symptoms. The parties we never forget only worsen them. One of the saddest parts of psychedelics is knowing that somebody out there 25-year-old or a 28-year-old or anyone who doesn't have any idea why they're sick. They've seen a number of doctors, tried a number of medications. They can't find relief mentally or physically. And then they stumble into the world of, this can heal you physically and spiritually. Just try this microdosing. It's one thing if you're not healing, so you take some junky vitamins or try a range of animal protein and plant-based diets, try a few different therapies and healing techniques, try conventional pharmaceuticals, and you're still stuck and you're still sick. That's a better place to be than getting caught up in the world of psychedelics, believing that maybe you have a spiritual block that's keeping you physically ill. When we lose time and we're really exhausted and we don't have answers that are working or helping, the next easy sell is, it has to be you. You're the problem. This is a spiritual issue, a mental and emotional problem. The psychedelics will shift something within you, you'll be told, bring you to more spiritual growth, take you on a spiritual journey where problems can be solved so the outcomes and how you feel physically and emotionally can improve and be healed or you'll start hearing that the psychedelics will change your brain chemistry on a scientific level so that you can find relief, symptom relief, relief of chronic illness. And there's some type of systematic chemistry that changes inside the brain when applying psychedelics on even a pharmaceutical level in the future. To find out more, read Medical Medium Brain Saver. Many of us 
want to feel we have control over what we're putting inside our bodies. Microdosing gives us this false sense of security that we're in control. Our consciousness and thought process can be very different from even defiant to what our body and soul really need or want. We might say, no, microdosing is controlled. It's careful. I'm going to heal with this. Our physical brain and our metaphysical soul are not saying that. Our physical brain is saying, don't let that poison enter this temple. It doesn't matter if that psychedelic is trendy right now in this time in history and in earlier times in history. Do not let it enter the temple. The ghost that lives inside our brain, our soul, is saying, don't shorten my time here on earth and slow down your spiritual growth. Original published medical medium information gets stolen and poached by podcast doctors, social media doctors, influencers, and medical clinics. Medical medium information has never yet been proven wrong by medical science and research. Instead, the opposite, only proven right and then taken from medical medium published material and used in the conventional and alternative health communities. Medical medium information continually sets the stage for medical science to understand chronic illness better. If you choose to share or use the original, unique content from the Medical Medium podcast, books, or Medical Medium social media, please cite where this information comes from, so others who see and learn of this information have a chance to know where it all originates, to give them an opportunity to heal so they don't end up losing years of their life searching for answers like so many have before them. The medical medium information here on this podcast doesn't come from broken science, interest groups, medical funding with strings attached, botched research, lobbyists, internal kickbacks, persuaded belief systems, private panels of influencers, health field payoffs, trendy traps, or gathered bits and pieces of gimmicky confusion. Because chronic illness is exploding like never before in our modern day history, it takes a greater force than us down here. It takes a helping hand from above. Medical medium information has street cred. It's an organic movement of countless people around the world healing, more healing stories of real people not being paid to tell their life-changing experiences of rising out of the ashes of sickness and entering into the light of full recovery, getting their lives back and finally healing when nothing else in the world of health could move the needle and get them better. The information on this podcast is not man-made. It comes from above, from a higher source. Whatever you believe in, whether God, the universe, the light, or the creator, or if you believe in nothing at all, that we're just floating through space together on this rock. Know that the information you hear on this podcast is separate from all the other noise out there. It comes from a different place, a pure, untampered with, advanced, clean, uncorrupted, original, primary source, a higher source, spirit of compassion.